Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. You like that hand movement there? It wasn't bad. Almost namaste. It grounded me for a moment. Italian almost, but I think Italian is like forward. It is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it is Red Friday, and I see I'm the only person wearing red. But I know. Uh, I thought about it. Just going to have to point Thoughts that out. <laughs> don't equate to action. <laughs> that is correct. Um, you know what key people could do as an action? They could like the show. They could subscribe to it. They could hit the notification bell. And then they get an email every time we go live, which is agreed every day. So, Tyler, thanks for joining us, brother. This is uh, awesome. I've been following your stuff on Instagram for a while. So I'm, uh, I'm happy that you were able to join us and are excited to be here. It's awesome. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. Um, so... If, correct me if I'm wrong, again, we just talked about this a second ago, but former infantry marine, now psychotherapist, psychologist, psychiatric, what is, what's the actual terminology that you're doing right now? I'm just a student right now. Just a student, um, there you go. I'm working, I'm working to become a psychotherapist. Okay. What's the difference between a psychotherapist versus a psychologist versus a psych, like psychiatry, I know is supposed to be about like the drug aspect of it. And then psychology is like talk aspect of it. Is there a difference between a psychotherapist? Psychiatry hands out the Skittles. They can also do therapy. Hmm. A counselor, social worker, the therapist, they do the talk therapy. Um, psychologist does the therapy, but they're heavy on research. Oh. Yeah. Sean, it's nice to meet you, by the way, brother. Nice to meet you, Tyler. <laughs> so, so can you, I, I am curious because I'm not uh, at all in any way, shape or form familiar with the various um, categories as you just broke them down. I, I don't play in that field too much. I'm fascinated to learn about it, though. So could you maybe more in a more detailed fashion explain precisely why you chose the path that you chose in like the. I want to say niche, but it probably isn't niche. The specifics of your trajectory. Okay. Yeah. Um, after my undergrad, first and foremost, I wanted to get into mental health because of my rise and fall after the service, my rediscovery, I guess, to put it PG. Um, I chose to pursue the counseling path because we have counseling and social work. And the counselors, in my opinion, focus specifically on the therapy, the talking to the client or the group. The social workers have a lot more like community outreach, things like that. Oh, right. Yeah. And I wanted to do the counseling path for therapy because this is what I love the most. I love one-on-one as well. Yeah. And um, I figured having... Since you guys don't know, I'm in Chicago. So where I'm located. In there. Great town. Big town. Big town. Um, because I'm in this state, we have two different licenses. So once I graduate, I get my first license, which allows me to work under supervision. And my second one, my second one allows me essentially to open up my own practice. And what my plan is once I reach my second licensure, then I'm going to go for the psychologist path that we just talked about. Right on. So well rounded. Now, other than the fact that I had some pretty good za in uh, Chicago, uh, I actually flew out there to watch a UFC. Uh, you know, did all the usuals, went down to the big uh, silver bean and, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, 
and and Chicago was fun. But I was only there like two days. So when I say I've been to Chicago, it's like I barely have been to Chicago. So I'm not like some resident expert. I ate some pizza, watched some fights, flew back. Um, but it was a good time. So um, now my question specifically to you is, uh, because you enjoy the one-on-one -on -one and that's the trajectory that you've chosen, uh, it feels right for you at this moment. Um, have you considered that at what point you're going to scale that up? In regards to what? Yeah, well, that's that. when I had that first thought uh, was just a little while ago, and it was, okay, I love one-on-one. -on -one. That's where I want to be, man. I don't want to scale up and help a whole pile of people simultaneously, but that's this, if yeah. you follow me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for me right now, the way my brain can wrap itself around all of that. When I get my license, obviously I'm going to be doing one-on-one -on -one working with people um, in person, online, things like that. I want to do group because I can talk to multiple people at once and we can cover different things. I've been in one-on-one -on -one and group since 2013. Hmm. Both have their value. Um, I run a social media page called back asthma solutions and I sorry what is it back asthma solutions oh cool i like that it's going to change once i get licensed though um you're going to adjust your asthma okay yeah exactly the initial intention behind the page when i started it was to provide coaching for the veteran culture on various things like communication skills sense of purpose changing our perspectives, our habits, building habits, things like that. Mm. Um, it was kind of like the hors d'oeuvre to therapy. So mm. given well, some like, that. like additional skills in a field, in a field stripped way that wasn't psychobabble nonsense. It's uh, tricky. Yeah. And as the page has grown since the end of 21 and with me being into the trenches of this program that I'm in, it's shifted essentially into all-encompassing mental health for the right. service providers of the planet. Um, once I get my first license, I am going to open up the coaching space even more for that because all of us have served in some capacity. And if you're active duty, you might not want your command to find out that you're talking to a shrink. So if I'm, if I'm talking to a coach who's a kind of like an interpreter where I am a shrink also they can get that stuff without seeing that person hmm. that's key like man that. and you know what kudos to you, mm -hmm. Thank you. it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy bridge to gap and Sean and I have talked about this before is that you know why don't more I guess Sean you were asking the question is like do we how many people do you know that are actually going into the psychology space or the psychological space after service. And there's not many, like I, I, I know of one or two in up here in Canada where they were former and now are psychologists or psychiatrists or whatever. And I, it's kind of interesting too, because when I got out, the first thing I did when I started working with my doctors was I wanted to understand more. So I started reading and I started diving into, started researching, started studying stuff, started going, what does it even mean? <laughs> what, what is all of this, right? And when my doc uses words that I don't understand, I should, I should have an understanding of that. Was it a, a similar kind of journey for you when you 
got out, realized all the issues, we were like, okay, I need to like focus on this, or was it more you more altruistic, like you wanted to help other people get through that issue? I waited until I could fit 10 pounds of stuff into a five pound pressure cooker. Mm, the instant pot doesn't even work like that. So good luck. <laughs> I think we all do kind of do that at times too. Yeah. Yeah. And then once I, uh, once I short circuited and ended up at a residential program within a group setting, mm -hmm. funny enough, that's when I realized like I could share things about my experiences with people with different jobs and I could help them with stuff and going through that program, getting involved with the veteran community because I hated the military when I got out, um, getting involved with the veteran community, talking to people, somehow helping people by sharing my story. It was incredibly motivating. And it felt like my new, my new why, my new sense of purpose. Like How that. long did it take you to establish that why? Uh, I was in that program, I want to say 2017 or 18 is when I went to that thing. Um, from discharge of that, to i would say 2019 2020 is when i really marvelized it mm. so maybe a couple of years yeah. Mm. yeah uh the reason i ask that specifically is because one of the things that i know we say over here on a pretty regular basis at least i i do for sure in my own life ig chats and over here is most people don't understand their why and it ain't going to show up magically like a disney princess movie you got to work at it and by work i mean this and i've said it many a time um grab a piece of paper and a pen and sit down at your table and don't get up from the table until you've written down the word why with a question mark and then answered it and then when you've answered that don't get up from the table because the next word you're gonna write is how with a question mark and don't get up from the table until you've got your how and now at least you've got some sort of a plan and by that plan you know, have to apply, apply some priority to it, one out of 10, 10 out of 10, whatever it is that you're into, but you got to have some conviction to stick to your, your why, your how, and the intensity of effort that you want to apply against the outcome that you've just identified on a freaking single piece of paper. But so few do it, but so many talk about why they can't figure it out. But it's a pretty simple process that will get somebody started off. Now, I'm so great, grateful for the fact that you've added this story because then it allows me to say in the future, which I should have been saying a long time ago, is now that you've got your why, your how, and you've established your sense of intensity against the outcome, well, guess what you get to do now is just basically time. Because I never, I talk about time on many other things. I'll say, now it's just time. Do your best. It takes time. But I can never really say the paper and pen and table. Now you need about two years. Now you need about a year. Now you need about six months. I never say that there's longevity to this yeah. piece of paper process. 
And if I could be so bold as to move my knight to e7 based off of what you just said, I think the piece of paper in a way is a puzzle board in the sense that we don't actually have pictures. We don't know what the puzzle looks like and we have to move the pieces into place and find what works and over time we will be able to see what it is. And with the why and the how, one thing that I bring up to people because I have heard a lot of people talk about, I don't know what my sense of purpose is now. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like my life was being a pilot or a Navy SEAL or whatever the case is. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And the one thing I hear the most is, well, my sense of my purpose in life was to be a Marine. And I'm like, yeah, no, Roger, but no, break that down. Like, what did you love? What were you good at? Did you have a community? Did you serve? How did you make an income? If you can answer those five, that can help solidify your why with your how. Agreed. I like that. I I was actually as you guys were talking, I was picturing uh, a bunch of military guys getting out of getting out of uniform and then starting into a random uh, singing moment and having their why come to them like a Disney princess. And it was, <laughs> yeah, my, my mind doesn't work like that. No, <laughs> I was going to say it doesn't, I don't think it works like anybody, but uh, I've watched a lot of Disney movies with the kids. Right. So it's uh it's kind of hilarious. I was just picturing some Marine ripping off his uniform and being you know, like, now we're going to sing to the wind. And then his yeah, you know, literally, his I've never up. thought that until just now. Now, I'm well, now out. you have, and this I will say what this, <laughs> what, what I will say is this, that it's fascinating that the human mind, works in so many different ways yeah. how you just process that moment chance mm. i'm 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 teasing i'm having a bit of fun you know that uh, i think it's cool that we're all so different and that we all take a singular moment a singular thought process and take it in so many 360 degree directions but the i guess the important part to play off of that is but do they all end up at the same outcome? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. So you you can have all the random Disney princess dance moments in your head, as long as you understand that that's how your brain works and your brain gets you to the outcome that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Dance your way there if that's how your head works. But you got to dance forward, not just dance on the spot. Yeah. Uh, well, the... This kind of gets into what I wanted to talk about today and the, the topic that I wanted to discuss. And actually it goes into what you were talking about on your live or earlier, Sean, was <clears throat> all the and uh, and the tools that you put up on your uh, on your Instagram there, Tyler, is the fact that it's all about regulating. Right. And once you understand how to regulate yourself within an environment, then you can live in that environment pretty well. So, you know, when you join the military, you have to learn how to regulate yourself in that space right when you go through basic and people are screaming at you and you're trying to fold your sheets and you i I don't know what's going on you can fry yourself by being completely dysregulated within that environment or you can try to regulate through that right well okay i'll just i'll I'll focus on this one thing and then work your way through it Um, and it's the same thing when you get out of the military is that there is a process to learning how to regulate yourself right and uh sean you were talking about a dude who was being belligerent in the store right uh yesterday i had a lady try to smash into my vehicle with my voice in the car and like there 
there was a moment where I was furious, where I was like, I was going to get out of the car and I was going to walk over there and I was going to smash her face into her own uh, steering wheel. There was so a thought not there. dancing. Not dancing. Okay. Well, I mean, it could have been dancing. I could have done it in interpretive dancing. Like, well, that would have been a better there. option, wouldn't it? It would have. But <laughs> the option that I went with was to regulate my own emotions and to use the tools that I have from all of my time spent with my doc and all the time, all the experience I have with other vets and to completely work on regulation. Mm. And then I started looking at myself and like, well, did I create the scenario? Mm, Could I have let man. that lady in earlier? Could I have da, 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 da. But that's what I wanted to discuss a little bit today because that's really what you talk about on your, um, a lot of the tools that you hand out on the Instagram page, Tyler, is regulation tools, right? Nice. Yeah. So what do you, let's, let's discuss this, I guess, in terms of a, a larger question. Can I just add a little you bit of clarity thought? to this? Yeah. You, you, you set the stage to some degree. And I don't want to like build off an incomplete stage. Right. So you mentioned, you know, when we all get into uh, basic training, uh, recruit school, we don't know what's going on. I'm just trying to fold my socks, man. Why, why, are you, why are you beating on me right now? Yeah. And so, um, you know, that goes on for months and months and months. And, and I think what needs to be added to that is you ain't taught how to regulate. Mm. Do you remember being taught how to regulate chance? No. Uh, no. And so my six months in battle school uh, from civilian street day one, right to six months later, now I'm a large and in charge. The only regulation I got done was reading the regulation manual <laughs> on, on how many times I could go to jail for how many infractions. <laughs> yeah. That's the only regulating that was ever used as a word, the regulations. And so uh, when I went into my military career, for the entire military career, no one ever mentioned regulations or regulating or any R word uh, that would have helped me in those moments. Self-learned, but not well. So when I bounced, I didn't have all the tools because no one talked about the tools. So the military never taught me to regulate. Mm -hmm. I taught myself to incorrectly regulate. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So that's the stage that I think we're kind of building off, unless I, I'm off base. No, I think that's no exactly intended. right. <laughs> it's 100% correct. And that's that's where I was going to go with the question was that uh, if, you're, if you're not taught how to regulate, you will regulate the only way you know how, which is whatever is available. <laughs> them all, right? Exactly right. So without thought and without um, any sort of clarity, did you... I'm imagining you had some similar experience going through recruit school and coming out, right? Like there's a, there's a big disconnect from regulated in the military to when you were in civilian street and you're now a veteran. What do you think? Yeah. You Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> the guy with all the camera around him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I coming out of the service, with a very this feels like a disservice to say like a robot mentality and i try to use that lightly because we're not robots we all i don't think so i think that's the right word i think so too i think it's the right word i've heard it too many times and i feel the same way myself it's it's the right word almost mm -hmm. yeah. and coming from that robotic killer be killed fight or flight mentality and for me having 
kids married coming out of the service my immediate objective was to take care of my family so the best way i could do that with no knowledge possible was to try to instill a 1950s americana lifestyle i'm gonna go be a foreman work at a factory take care of my family live to work and the military does a great job at instilling a lot of different tactics and perspectives on various things but we lose the ability to take those perspectives and shift the lens on them when we get out where working in a factory where i'm in charge of over 100 people i expect instant obedience to orders and i lose my cool if I'm getting questioned by someone that's working in a union shop where they're allowed to ask questions, or if I'm driving to work and traffic's bad and I want to lose my cool and do a interpretive dance with somebody. Um, yeah, it's extremely hard. Uh, I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> there is no other way to say it because though that I've just heard it too many times. Yeah. There's I've yet to talk to a guy who, when he gets right down to the meat and potatoes of the combo, won't nod their head and say, Yeah, man, that's exactly it. But then what then what? That's what we're talking about now. Exactly. Once you realize that you were a robot to some degree, uh, you get out, you try to do your best, you realize that you're failing. Then what? We've kind of talked about it to in the sense of figure out your why, figure out your how, apply some sort of level of effort, one out of 10, 10 out of 10, identify what you're going to, what you're going to sacrifice to get the outcome that you want on your why and your how. So we've talked about that, but that's almost like a, it's almost like a frivolous, um, it's almost like a frivolous action if you don't believe that it works. Mm. And so well, I think there's almost like a point between the, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the hurt locker. I'm feeling like a robot. I want to do better. There's this process of this, why this, how, and then go do it. There's almost like a little section in there where a person's got to believe that that works. And it's that little section there that maybe it's a day, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a minute for each person, but there's a moment of pause where they almost don't believe that they can move from this to that. Does that make sense? Or they're incapable at the time of even right. thinking yeah. about a why. Right, right. Yeah. Like I know for me, I was the I was the what not to do because there was no why for me. Besides, yes, take care of my kids, watch them grow up. That's a why. Mm. And that's sufficient by itself. It is. But with myself though, I wanted to take care of my family. And at the same time, I was dealing with things physically and all the emotional stuff. I was strapping more weight onto that emotional flak jacket. I was working more and more and more. I didn't want to be at home. I wanted to work. I wanted to lead people and I couldn't lead Marines. So I would lead hourly employees. And the thought of why a the thought of longevity was non-existent. It wasn't even a spark in my head. I was just working and... Yeah. that yeah, happens it does happen done it myself yeah for sure and it's it's that moment where you at some point i did i think everyone does in this moment gets to a point where they're like oh hang on a sec and it's that moment 
to that moment where you can almost get right with it. Okay, now I've got to sit down at the table with a pen and a paper. It's that moment where you realize that, oh, that's what's happening. What do I do next? That little uncomfortable moment of action that I find a lot of uh, people that I talk to are in. It, it's the gradual realization that living life as a robot ain't cool. I can do so much more for not just me and my family, but for the big team around me. I want to do something that impacts the world is what I hear sometimes. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that, I know that I can get them to the table with a pen and paper. But it's that little gap between the robot and the table that is the trick. And to shrink the gap as much as possible, because I know Mm. my gap was six months of Dante's Inferno. Mm. All right. Not uncommon from anyone else that I've talked to. In (laughs) fact, I do believe that Chance, didn't we talk about Dante's Inferno with the the good doctor there not too long ago? Yeah, with Doc Arlos. Yeah, it was... um... It's kind of funny too because I the way I liken this is that, um, you know, within the military we are we don't realize it so much, but we are taken care of all the time, right? And so you know you you're surrounded by other people who are constantly wanting to work. Like, hey, let's go do this. Now we're going to go do this. Now we're going to go here. Now we're, and so there's this, especially the um, the combat arms too, because we're always, you know, I can't say always, but mostly mission focused task focused we're going to go do that and then we're going to do that and then we're going to do that and then we're going to go home we're going to sleep and then we're going to do it again over and over and over again but because everybody does it that's just normal that's just well, the, it, like hmm. let's be careful just i i i'm going to have to be pedantic let's do I, it. I just want to delineate on a little bit of a nuance and it's this that yeah that's how you start your military career yeah everything's looked after you just have to work and do what you're told Mm-hmm. execute against the mission, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually, as you proceed in your career, if you work hard enough and if you've got the parts, you elevate your game. And next thing you know, everything isn't looked after. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking after everything. And that's the way it is. You just didn't go far enough in your career chance yeah. to, you know, as a warrant officer in tier one special operations, there ain't anyone looking after you. You got to look after everything. And so there's a there's an important distinction between phases of military career. For sure. Early in early on in it, you just gotta wake up and go to sleep mm-hmm. and work. Uh, but it changes. Now what I mean when I say taken care of, yes, absolutely. Early parts of career, hundred percent, like ninety-five percent of your life is taken care of, right? You get told where to show up, how to dress, <laughs> what you're gonna be doing that day, make sure you have all your gear, blah, 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 all that stuff. But in the larger sense, right? You're still getting paid and your all your uh, info is being taken care of by the clerks. I mean, not, maybe not for you, uh, Sean, because you were in a brand new unit that probably didn't have a lot of clerks, but the, uh, um, but for the, you know, the lined infantry sergeants, warrants, sergeant majors, whatever, they still have their, you know, their, uh, all their admin stuff is dealt by the OR. You go to the orderly room, the clerks yeah. deal with oh, that. Oh, I understand. Yeah. <clears throat> You're referencing all of the administrative uh, overhead. Yeah. That burden is taken care of for sure. Yeah. I don't need to know where my food is coming from at certain points. I just need to know that there's food available yeah, and exactly. I'll secure it. Now, the idea being that early on in your career, you're not responsible for looking after much, mm-hmm. but later on in your career, you are. And I'm not for talking sure. about rations. I'm talking yeah. about men. I'm talking about the moment. I'm talking about the directional cultural shift. 
You don't do that as a private. You do that much later in your career. And it's an important distinction. That's why I'm delineating it. When I've got two people standing in front of me and they're both in the hurt locker and they they're at that moment where they realize they don't want to be a robot anymore. They want to be all that they can be. I'm about to tell them to sit down at the table, grab a pen and paper. It's two different conversations. Yeah. One guy's been looked after all his life. The other guy has been looked after his life and looked after others mm-hmm. in his life. And they're two different conversations. Oh, that's a good point. Absolutely. Um, the the concept, at least, that I was going to go with on this was the fact that that's part of the difficulty when you get out is that you are used to working and you're used to moving forward and you're used to um, even leading men and you're used to taking care of people around you. But then you also have to add in all of that extra administrative stuff that you now have to deal with on top of working, which I think leads to a lot of the dysregulation immediately upon getting out, right? Because then you have have to find a doctor and you have to find uh, a new dentist for the kids and the kids have timings. And now like it becomes this overwhelming constant uh, operations. Exactly. Yeah. So it kind of uh, maybe mission creep is a, a good way to describe it is that you, you start to absorb more and 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 more without uh, ever like every other it. family unit all across North America. There no go. different. Yeah. Vets yeah. are no different than like my, literally my neighbor who has raised a family, just like yeah. you trying to find a doctor, trying to find a dentist, trying to get the kids to school. What you're talking about is normal life, which yes. is a non-factor unless you're getting out of the military and you're in the hurt locker. Yeah. Then it's a factor. Then so, it's a factor, yeah. so we're, we're taking a molehill of trying to figure out who my dentist is going to be next year and turning it into a mountain only because you started off looking for a dentist in the hurt locker. While you were in a pit. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking at this molehill from six feet underneath. Yeah. 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 And the reason I got to say that is because if anyone's going to listen to this uh, potty later, a year from now, 104 years from now, and they think that we're whining because we got out of the military and a dentist didn't move into our basement to look after our teeth whenever we need it. Let's be careful. Let's be yep. careful and call it what it is. Real life is a non factor, it's no big deal. Yeah. Where it's hard for people is when they're in the hurt locker and they're facing regular life and they don't have the tools to deal with it, like a lot of veterans. Yeah. Well, that was my point was the fact that the I'm regular life. clear with your point. I now. appreciate clear. it. I appreciate clar- clarity is good, man. I, 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 this is one of the reasons why I keep you around, Sean, <laughs> so that you can clear my, my pedanticism. Points because... <laughs> but this is part of the issue, right? Is that you spend time in the military, which is separate. It's a separate culture from everyday life. And because it's a separate culture, when you get out and you have to get, re-enter everyday life, it's a, it's almost a new world. It's not quite a new world, but it's almost a new world. And again, so, it's a non-factor. Unless and it's you're a non-factor. Hurt locker. No, I, I exactly. So I, I know lots of guys that have gotten out that weren't in the hurt locker to begin with that just phased right into it. And there was some struggles and they had, you know, a, little, a couple issues here and there, but they've just phased into everyday life and they're perfectly fine. They don't, they are not struggling to begin with. And I think I've said this to you before as well, is that usually the people who are higher up in rank, especially the non-coms, um, they are 
usually better suited to manage afterwards versus the typically. NCMs, typically. So um, I guess really the question that I've been wondering about is the tools that you put up on your uh, on Instagram, Tyler, is were those self-taught? Were they from you were doing schooling or were they picked from other people? How did you come up with some of the stuff that you put up there? A lot of it came from lived experiences and things that I've learned along this patrol. Um, I've been sprinkling in knowledge from academia, but I don't want to be a <clears throat> Huberman lab type of educational platform. I want all of the things that I'm sharing to be field stripped and easily understandable from the 05 to the E1 in the rank structure. So I try to keep it very, very digestible for everybody. And it's the majority of it is things that I've utilized, have learned through my experiences and then academia. I love the hoops. I love I the too. Huberman. <laughs> uh, however, he's not for everyone. To your point, who he's not for is a lot of my buddies who just ain't into the nerdery of it. But I've been into the nerdery for a long, long time. And so uh, one thing that I think is important to what you just said is I'll listen to a, a knockoff Andrew Huberman. I'll listen to a quasi-Huberman who I know has been in the game. Mm. One of the things I like about Huberman is his nerdery, but he, he hasn't had his boots in the dirt. And I've said this in the past, there's certain philosophers out there, there's certain big names out there that chirp a lot, and I don't respect them because they've never had their highly polished calfskin boots in dirt. They've never tasted metal in their mouth. They've never felt the heat. They've, they felt academic heat. They've felt their peer heat. They've, they've broken their pencil in mid-thesis. It must be tragic. <laughs> but they've never really felt the adversity that I'm familiar with. Now, their life experience, you know, the, I'm not suggesting that normal life or everyday life isn't hard. I'm not saying that. But there's levels to the game. And if you've been in a lot of dirt, it's a hard life. And so for me to really dial into a nerd i like the nerd to have had dirt in his mouth and so i i really 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 want to be clear on this point i love huberman he's fantastic but if i could replace the hoobs for veterans it would be a huberman who's had his feet in the dirt that would be that'd be sweet <laughs> if we could you know what sean maybe you should be the new hoobs no, I, uh, you know, it's, it's guys, you're like a nerd. You, but it's, it, it, it is, it is someone who's on a trajectory, a professional trajectory that brings credentials with some education that can fill in the gaps mm -hmm. that then can relate to service members, veterans who have been in the dirt. Cause then you can talk about the dirt. Mm. You can, you can look at the guy and, and give him the nod and you don't even have to talk. It's just you're on the right frequency with that person. Guy, girl, admin, clerk, or hard charger. It doesn't matter what. They've, had, they've, they've folded socks in basic training, and now mm -hmm. you've got a commonality. I've got zero commonality with Andrew Huberman. I don't skateboard. 
and I don't have a fancy studio. <laughs> so he's super cool at a certain level, but I ain't connecting with him on the frequency that I connect with hard chargers. That's a good point. That's a good point. Have you, uh, Tyler, have you seen a lot of, you've gotten a lot of feedback from the internet for on your uh, on your Instagram page? Anybody giving yeah. you like, this is awesome, this helps, or what I are get, you even doing? I get, I get both sides of the pendulum. I get, yeah. bro, you've saved me more than my own therapist has, like some of the best things ever. And then I get very unhinged comments, mm. which are to be expected. How do you re how do you regulate through those? Like when you're reading the the negative comments or the positive comments, do you feel well, like a, elated through it, or is it more of a if I get I regulated through it? If if I get a pat on the back, so to speak, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. If you ever need anything, reach out to me. Mm. Um, if I get a yeah, this is nonsense. I'd rather just be miserable. Thank you for sharing your perspective with me. I like that. It's very nice. Now, so you've you've given two great examples there that I believe you're managing almost perfectly. But what about when someone drops into your uh, comments and says, "Hey, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a loser. You you lied to this, that, and the other thing. You've never picked up a weapon. You don't even know what IMPs taste like." So a guy drops in and says that, and totally tries to derail your reputation. What do you do in that instance? Number one, is it worth my energy? Well, hopefully we're going to talk about that. No, no. But what I'm, it's a valid point though, because is it worth my energy to engage with this? Mm -hmm. um, it just, it depends. It depends on the situation. I don't think um, engaging with the proverbial internet warriors is going to provide any value to anything. Some people, some people like to Heath Ledger and watch the world burn from the comfort of their thumbs. Yeah, yeah. it's a bummer. Yeah, but it's a bummer. Do it. They're allowed to do it, though. Mm -hmm. um, now, so I asked you this question specifically because I'm curious if you can refine it for me. Maybe I've got it wrong. Uh, maybe I've got it partially wrong, but when someone drops in, I, I rarely ever get hit with that kind of stuff. But when I do, it's not that I go on the offense or the defense. I just think this, no, that ain't happening. I'm going to sort this out right now. Let's, let's get to the truthful aspects of the matter because your reputation, I, I say your reputation is everything. Maybe that's too strong of a word. Your reputation can precede you. And so I have said this in live chats before that if someone comes at me super hard and it's way, way, way off base, man, I've done a lot of dumb things in the past. And if you want to call me out on that, I'll call myself dumber names than you can call me dumb. I've been called all the names. There's nothing that I can be called that makes me uncomfortable. But if you come at me hard and it's completely falsified, I need to, to some degree, correct the record so that my reputation can do the work for me in the future. So if someone knows I'm going to be talking to them tomorrow, my reputation is already at work with them. If someone says, hey, I'd love to have a chat with you, and they don't know anything about me, it's my reputation that they're wanting to chat with me for. Mm. The moment that I connect with them and we start talking, either they're going to like me or they're not in, in real time. Uh, but before the real time moment, 
there's a there's a future Sean, the reputational Sean, a day or a week or a month or a year from now, whatever the case is, that I want to be able to wield with uh, some some precision, perhaps, to set the stage for uh, making it a more positive or beneficial interaction with that person. Does that make sense? Mm. I like it. Um, it's an interesting perspective. <laughs> you you just you just used a comment on me, didn't you? <laughs> but I'm going to help you build that out. So what do you mean by that? <laughs> there you go. Does it warrant a response if someone sends you some off the wall message? Does it truly does it truly cut at the artery of your reputation since there are billions of people out there that can say whatever they want? It's true. They can, and, and they probably do. But in my little sphere of influence, which is like gnat wings, um, <laughs> the, the idea being that in that tiny little sphere, I'm trying to do good, not bad. And in order for me to proceed doing good, I've, I need to, to some degree, uh, protect my reputation to do good rather than baseless comments that are, uh, you know, referring to me as Darth Vader, maybe, or something like that. And okay. so the the idea you can put in a, an entire lifetime work of good work, a body of good work, and then in one casual comment, uh, it can all be sideways that you don't get to proceed forward and continue on with that good work. So I guess I'm suggesting that when a um, a baseless comment that is trying to destroy your relationship gets slung at you across the entire world on every news channel capable. What do you do with that? Do you protect your reputation or do you shrug your shoulders and say, ah, no biggie? If it required something like that, then yes, I would share my rebuttal to whatever it was. Okay. I think as it relates to the context of my social media page, for example, since I have roughly 16,000 followers or something like that, if all 16,000 individuals responded to one post and there was a reputation shattering comment in there, I wouldn't see it because I don't write yeah. that time. So your perspective, excellent. I completely understand what you're saying. I think this feels like a cop out of an answer. I feel like it's situation dependent. Agreed. It is hundred percent. That isn't even a cop out. That's a straight up how I feel about it. It's literally yeah. logic in my head. Yeah. That's, that's the facts, but I didn't want to like bypass it and say, ah, you know, relationships, whatever. <laughs> and, and pretend that they're not important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's no. also, there's also a side part to this is that, <clears throat> as, as you said, situational dependent, but what is the person trying to do, right? Are they, are they actually reaching out? Are they trying to damage, specifically damage you? Are they specifically trying to rile you up? Are they trying to dysregulate you because they're dysregulated? Um, as an example, I had a, um, <clears throat> had a, a buddy of mine now, uh, who I got referenced from another friend of mine to say, Hey, maybe this, this guy's in a rough spot. Maybe you should talk to him. And, uh, he accused me of being a Chinese spy right off the bat. <laughs> could be. And I could be right. 
you know, you never know when you're talking to messaging. We could just uh, end the podcast now. Right there, you go. I'm a Chinese spy, <laughs> but the the point was is that he was so dysregulated, everybody was a threat to a point that he actually was asking me like, "Shoot, send me a picture right now with your kids," and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> not gonna happen." But the 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 thing the problem that he was experiencing was is that he was in a hole by himself, and so everything was a threat and i could have very easily said well you know that's your opinion man and just let it be and nothing like i would have not had any issues beyond that what i saw at least what i interpreted in it was that he was just he really really wanted somebody to to hear him and so i continued to talk with him and i continued to talk with him and i continued to talk with him and every time he pushed me i kind of like okay yeah we're good i remember being in that spot we're good and i kept going with him and now he's uh he's doing really well actually <laughs> he just finished a uh inpatient treatment he's been sober for like six months he's doing quite well but those decision points if i had been dis if i had been dysregulated in that moment by his comment and i had gotten angry and i had allowed myself to then blow up or delete them or block them or whatever, <clears throat> I would then be contributing to contributing to his dysregulation rather than regulating myself and then trying to regulate him. And I think that, as you said, you know, situation dependent, because that could have gone in many different ways, in many different, uh, many different situations based on how I was feeling in the moment, how he was feeling in the moment, how other interactions were happening as well. So, yeah, I don't think it's a cop-out answer. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think that's a pretty solid. And I think when it falls under the space of self-regulations, you we don't always have to help other people, too. Sometimes self-regulation is simply enforcing our own boundaries. Yeah. And and what I was thinking as you told the story, so this is how human brains work, I suppose, is um, I was listening to your story thinking, well, good on chance. But what Chance was also doing while he was working for the team, he was working on himself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the guy in the hole is the guy who needs to get out of the hole by trying to help the guy in the hole with him get out of the hole. Exactly. And so everyone's wired a little bit differently. If you are someone who wants to serve your fellow man, serve the team, sometimes it's having that individual work to improve the team, to improve themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get that guy out of the hole, get him team focused rather than individually focused. There's lots of ways to skin the cat as the old saying goes. So as I was listening to you, Chance, I was just hearing Chance helping Chance while he was helping the dude. That's 100%, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, I, I've said this a number of times on uh, the previous, like my previous podcast, Tools for Toolbox, was the fact that the whole reason I started it was so that I could really... Um, not just justify, but like practice all of the tools that I had learned up until a certain point. And then I could hear other people's tools and then I could utilize those. And so it was very almost a selfish kind of a setup in that I wanted to help myself. So what better way than to learn from other people how they regulate or how they manage their tools so that I could be better. And then I can help more people by being better. So there was this, you know, I was trying to regulate, as you said, there's a, there's a great story. I don't know if it's actually true or not, but it was a, um, 
That's a great way to start a story. Right? So it's kind of a internet, um, not quite a fallacy, but it's making its way around the internet. It was saying that, you know, there's a soldier in a hole and the officer walks by and he says, use the tools your non-commissioned officer given you to get out of that hole. And <laughs> soldier sitting in the hole, like what? And the officer walks by and the non-com walks by or the sergeant or the whatever walks by and goes, use the tools your squad leader told you. And he walks off and so, you know, down the rank structure or whatever. And then finally another soldier just jumps in the hole with him and he goes, what are you doing? You just jumped. Now we're both in a hole. And he goes, it's okay. I've been here before. I know how to get out. And I think that's the, that's the, what you're tr trying to say, Sean, is like sometimes the other person's got to jump in and be like, all right, let's sort this out. I've been here before. I think that's part of it. So I don't know how ac accurate that story is. Well, whether it's accurate or not, you just increase the fallacy action of it. So Bam, well look done. at that. Good job. Yeah. Keep yes. spreading it. <laughs> I am spreading. Spreading the fallacy. Spreading the fallacy. Shit. I don't even know if it's a fallacy. But, uh, I'm sorry. I missed these earlier. Sunrise Philosophy. What's up? Good to see you. Iridian Group. Good day. Always good to see you. We're going to get you back on the collective. We've got to get been a while since we talked to you. Um, but so now I have another question for you, Tyler. Have you really, what was, sorry, what is the hardest point within the last little while from schooling that you've had trouble regulating yourself through? That's a good question. Um, coming to terms that I can't save anyone. Mm. Friends, clients, family. Wow, that's a big one. That is yeah. a big one. I understand that when it comes to throwing in the towel, we can get people put into treatment programs. We can call the cops, things like that. But when it comes to working with a client, when it comes to being friends with both of you. We're friends? Yes. I'm glad it worked out that way. <laughs> I cannot make either of you grow, heal, recover, things like that. I can give you psychoeducation until you're blue in the gills. I can give you every single type of tool. I can work on shifting every single type of perspective there is about whatever the subject is, but you're still the one that has to breach and clear. Good man. I mean, we've literally not said it as well as that, but almost for word for word said that over here. There's a certain point where... It's not that you give up or hand it off to someone else or whatever. You've just got to come to the realization. And it should, I believe, should be a passive action of, uh, oh, I didn't fail or blah, 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 whatever. It should just be a handing off passively of it's beyond my abilities or it's beyond my reach or it's beyond my scope or I'm just not the right person for this. I think for me, I try to do it passively now rather than uh, hanging on to it still. I think... Um, and, and I'm not saying passing anything off. I'm, I'm saying that like, I, no matter if I have three PhDs and I'm a Nobel peace prize winner, I can't, I can't save anyone where it, it falls on the individual to mm -hmm. want to get better. And that's something that I struggled with when I was dealing with my things and our community, our culture has 
a lot of tools from the service to help us when it comes to the mental firefights that we may endure from time to time. Um, it's just shifting those perspectives for individuals because I get a lot of I get a lot of folks that reach out on various things. And like one of the most common ones is they get angry in the car and they want to freak out and go from zero to a hundred. And like one of my friends reached out to me with that example. And I was like, okay, brother, pretend like you're in a, you're on patrol and you get in a firefight. Just imagine it for a second. Doesn't matter if you've never been. So you start getting shot at, are you immediately going to sprint towards the fire? Well, no. Yeah, you're going to take a knee. You're going to find some cover, ascertain what your next play is, right? Or are you going to just go for a run, probably catch a round, maybe step on an IED in the process? Like, no, you're going to take cover. He's like, yeah, obviously. It's like, same thing. So-and-so cut you off while you're driving. Wouldn't it make sense to take a tactical knee, figure out what the next tactic is, because you're not going to just sprint towards it. And he's like, yeah, that makes complete sense. And I was like, think of that next time. And that's just my buddy. That's I'm not going to give my buddy any sort of psychoeducational anything. But just as a friend talking like, hey, man, we survive these things. Apply the same tactics and TTPs to day to day stuff. If your employees are moving slow. You can't freak out at the boot or the cherry for not understanding the ver the different parts of a weapon system. You have to teach them some kind of stuff. Does that make sense for both of you? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Sean. You got a point. Well, it does make sense to me. It makes sense to all of us. At the spirit of it, hundred percent great advice for that individual. And so it's, it's, uh, you're the deliverer of the message, but the receiver of the message is unique every single time. And it's getting, it's reading the person well in order to deliver the right message, right person, right time, right message, preferably from someone they respect. And so that's, that's unique in every single instance. And the only reason I say that is to make the point to everyone out there. If you find yourself in that position where you're getting that phone call, it's not always the same answer. It's not always when you're under effective enemy fire, you dot, dot, dot. The, the grocery clerk doesn't understand that. Uh, your buddy does. And, and I know you understand that better than any of us. So for everyone generally out there, understand that if you're getting that call, it's a unique situation every single time. There's not a single playbook with one page in it that says step one. Yeah. Not yet. I wish yeah. there was. <laughs> I think we Dude, all wish there was. Dude, I'd be handing those books out like nobody's business. Yeah. <clears throat> How to live life. Step one. Step one. <laughs> Go from there. I think that's uh, one of the biggest challenges. And, you know, one of the things that I tried to do initially when I started getting into advocacy and started working with other veterans was, you know, take what I knew and say, okay, just apply that. Just do what I did and you'll win. No. Not, true. <laughs> right. not even close what i did for me to win was what i needed in those moments mm -hmm. and continually need to work on as i get better and <clears throat> to uh to sean's point is that it needs to be boutiquely measured for that person in that moment 
in that space because otherwise it is it's lip service right somebody called me up and was like oh yeah that's 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 the from the story of the uh the officer or the nco walking past me like yeah just use the tools that you've been given it's lip service you're not actually listening to the issue and you're not actually giving any help you're just talking rather than listening i think that's uh yes a big big part of it any uh we're just about here on time any any final thoughts anything on the top of your head that uh we didn't get out on regulation or on helping others or anything that we haven't gone over when it relates to helping other people first of all it's imperative that if we get into a situation in which we're helping someone our first thing to do is hold the space with that person we may not we may not have to talk to them they may simply need company and if they are seeking guidance from a friend how can i best support you do you need phone calls would you like to talk about something and yes everyone is incredibly unique that little firefight traffic story is one percent and that's that's the whole thing with like therapy where and i look forward to that where i will have the ability to learn the unique diversity of every single person that i talk to and figure out what tools what skills for self-regulating would work best for that person because what works for me won't work for both of you mm-hmm. and one thing i always say online is we're all on this patrol called life together that even though we all have different lived experiences we're all trying to figure this thing out together and if we can come from a place of understanding and a positive regard for one another we're going to make a lot more headway with this stuff yeah totally agree sean any final thoughts anything yeah as as i try to do from time to time stay in theme uh, i'll use the patrol as the theme so to add a touch more to that if we are all on this same patrol called life some people in the patrol understand the mission and some don't and that is the way of the world that is the way of patrols depending on how far you are down on that patrol you might just think that you're just carrying weight you don't know where you're going you don't even know what time of day it is you don't know what your next meal is you're just bearing a massive load in the patrol call life and it's my job as the patrol commander to ease your burden while staying on task. And to add to that, if we are all on the same patrol called life, we should also understand that sometimes I'm the patrol commander, sometimes I'm the navigator, sometimes I'm the communicator, sometimes I'm just the guy that's carrying the biggest load in the patrol and doesn't know where it's going. That's, that's life, man. That's the patrol. Yeah. And sometimes you're the machine gunner that cuts called up to the front and you got to run another hundred plus yards (laughs) to get to the front and realize, oh, you're not needed. Oh, excellent. I'll go back to the, let's go back. Uh, That's just the way of life. I think it's, uh, it's a great analogy. I like the the, the concept of the patrol. I like that a lot. Um, At least that'll help us continue to move forward because that means there's a goal. I guess the real challenge is making sure that everybody's informed and as long as everybody's informed, it's a lot easier to regulate yourself. It's a lot easier to be on a patrol if you know where you're going 
than if you don't, because you'll spend the entire patrol sitting there going, what is actually going on right now? <laughs> it's one of the hardest parts. Uh, I do appreciate you, Tyler, being on here. This has been a, a great chat. I think uh, there's a lot of really great tools here, too, that are people are going to be able to grab onto. And as we continue to build upon ourselves and continue to learn how to do things, we will continue to grow as people. And you can do that here with us on The Collective every day. See you all tomorrow. Cheers.